Yo, 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 what's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will, and I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. This is episode 213, is the church to focus on money and success. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? We're going to answer that question and more. So we're going to, you know, dive a little bit into this idea and looking at the modern church where we are today and, you know, money and success and where is the place for it? Are we so focused on it that, you know, we're losing sight of God? Are we steering people in the wrong direction? Are we greedy and just, you know, blinded by uh, the love of money? Like we're going to unpack some of that and it may not be what you think. You know what I'm saying? It might be exactly what you think. I don't know. But let's have the discussion. And if you're a person that listening in today, um, you know, comment, like, subscribe, share this episode. Hopefully you enjoy uh, Inspire God's People, you know what I'm saying? And what we're here to do is a faith and business show. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's faith, sometimes it's business, but it's always Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Always Christian. So I'm going to dive right into this. I'm going to just keep it 100 with you. Um, first things first, let me say this. Like we've been doing this, I've been doing this podcast now for what, like uh, five years. And so one of the things, you know, that I like, you know, try to stress and let people know is like the first four years, it was all audio. I grew this show on Apple Podcasts. So shout out to my people out there that can't even see me right now because you just a listener, a a loyal listener. Um, That's what we grew this show at, an audio show. And it wasn't until like episode 165 or something like that, that we did our first YouTube episode last year in 2022. Um, And a year later, here we are at episode 213. Why do I say that? Because with this being a faith and business show, I really spent the first couple years focusing heavy on building and laying out the foundation of this show. I used to always tell people, go back and listen from episode one. You know, even if you're checking out the new episodes, because we laid a foundation so I don't have to continue to remind people like, yo, I'm a Christian. This show is about faith and business. And because there's so much emphasis on business, business um, a lot of times includes finances. And I do think there's a healthy way to talk about money. I always talk about success. I work in corporate America. I've been growing a, a career and you know climbing a corporate ladder for some years. So I love to share the things that I've learned uh, through that process. But at the same time, I spent a couple years laying out the foundation of the show on audio. So sometimes I got to kind of revisit it and remind myself like, yo, since you've been on YouTube, those people missed like 160 episodes of content where we were talking about the Bible and laying out all these biblical principles as it relates to business and stuff. So this is one of those shows where I thought it would be a great idea uh, just to tackle. I can talk, people. I promise. I can't talk to tackle one of those topics that, um, you know, quite frankly, a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people feel super triggered about uh, on either side. And let me say this, too. One of the reasons um, that even brought this to my mind was because I dropped a couple videos last week. And, you know, one of the videos I talked about the Andre 3000 thing. A lot of times, y'all know, I, I don't always like to talk about trending topics and things like that, mostly because. I like, you know, real dialogue. Like I'm in this to actually discuss things and not necessarily overreact to everything people say and to hear people and to disagree and to agree and to think. Like I love to think. That's, you know, that's why I'm here. 
I'm not really here to try to say stuff to go viral or be super polarizing and like kind of fake or a character to get attention. It's just not who I am. But I do understand when you engage certain content uh, or topics, whether that, you know, you might get more people watching and talking and commenting than usual. So last week I dropped a couple videos. I had like a 15 second video about why I'm not listening to Andre 3000's uh, new flute album. And it got close to 10,000 views and a lot of nasty comments. I posted another video about Andre 3000, uh, which was like a, I think that was six, seven minutes, maybe 10 minutes or something like that. Um, just talking about like, yo, I really was just reading the article when my man was saying he turned into a panther and took these hallucinogen, uh, hallucin, uh, hallucinogens. <laughs> hey, it's gone. Hey, people will be going crazy in my comments, man. They're going to they gonna fry me for that. Um, but I can't talk. What's my point is like that junk, that had only like a thousand views. But I tell you, like these people hate my guts. So anyway, I, I wanted to do an episode where I kind of get people grounded. Like if you're on YouTube and you're checking me out for the first time or you see this video, you got to understand when you, you know, commenting on a 10 second portion or whatever, going off on me, educate me, I've heard it all. You got to ignore that stuff. At the, some point, whenever I get stuff to go semi-viral or that's not viral, but like when it just get a whole bunch of comment and, and attention, whether it's positive or negative, at some point I just start ignoring it. So my point is I'm a Christian. So I don't know, like I kind of be feeling like are people, what are people on the internet for? Because <laughs> I'm like, this is a Christian show. So what do I mean by that? Why is that important? What I'm about to talk about today is the church to focus on money and success is from a Christian perspective. So I first want to lay the foundation on this topic that uh, I think one, one of the things that make this topic interesting is that it's like, you know, when somebody talking about somebody in your family, like if you and my family and like we family members and we talking about somebody in our family, you know, uh, crazy Johnny or whatever. And we all talking about crazy Johnny. That's just a made up name. I'm trying to think like somebody named Johnny. Um, like we family, we could do that. But like when somebody outside the fam come in talking crazy, you kind of be looking like, bro, who, like, like you can't talk about Johnny. That's sometimes how I like, I'm not saying people can't talk about the church. What I'm, what I'm trying to really express with that is sometimes when we talk about the church, you have people who are against the church and they like just hate church, grew up in church, church hurt. Let's call it the church hurt people. And this ain't no shot at you. If you like in that group, I'm just saying you, it is, it is a thing where people who like used to go to church and something happened and they like, they hate church. So any of their opinion is kind of driven from this place of hate and to tear down and maybe even in their mind for, for justifiable reasons. But that's one of the reasons people talk about church. And then you got the other side, which is people who grew up in church and they just want to protect anything from church. It's like, bro, church can do no wrong. Um, they going to always stand up for, you know, whatever, whatever happened. And, you know, that's an interesting side as well, because I think a lot of times on that side, even if people are well-intentioned, what happens is it's like, bro, you know, if we don't ever like actually discuss some of these things that the church itself ends up in a worse place because it's kind of like unwilling to like look yourself in the mirror and get better. So what am I saying that to say? Today's conversation um, is coming from a more balanced place. 
It's coming from a place of like, I love the church. I want to see the church grow, but I have some concerns about some of the activities and behaviors um, that we are kind of adopting as Christians. And if there was one word that you would take away from today, I would say that that word would be balance. Okay. So balance is a word that I really want to explore because I think so many people are on one side or the other as it relates to um, topics around the church, especially once you bring in money, even more than success, just money. Some people hate the idea of a pastor or a church having money and all of their opinions are going to be through that lens of like, yo, I just hate it and I think it's wrong. And some people, you know what I'm saying? They want the money and they want the success and a lot of times want to be like the world. So for them, as long as that's happening, they ain't willing to admit anything wrong. So I just want to lay out kind of the perspective. The angle that I'm coming from today is a more balanced angle. So let me say this. Um, really, the first mistake I think we make when we talk about the church and money is success is if I'm being real, we ignore the Bible. So I believe that the Bible should be the foundation of how we talk about these conversations. Like, because again, remember, I'm level setting this that like I'm a Christian. The intention of this conversation, it don't mean if you're not a Christian, you can't listen. I'm just telling you, if you listen into this, this is the perspective of a Christian. So I'm talking about this, this topic from that dynamic, right? You might be an atheist, you might be something else and you like, you know, you might be into some other religions and you got this whole perspective. And, you know, I'm sure it'd be people in my comments later that want to give me the history of why I shouldn't read the Bible. Someone's like, bro, you in the wrong conversation. Like, this isn't that conversation. I didn't ask you for that. So, um, but I do believe as Christians, if we want to have this conversation, honestly, that we should first be trying to understand this through the lens of the Bible and being like, yo, like the Bible is the foundation. Um, a Christian is a follower of Christ. Um, it means of or from something. When you add that I-A-N, it means I'm of this or from this. So if I say I'm American, that means I am of or from America. If I say I'm Canadian, like that I-A-N means something. And so when we call ourselves Christians, it means that we are of or from Christ. So I'm going to say this as a sidebar. It's always hilarious to me when I see people online, like I've literally seen this topic online, like was Jesus a Christian? I'm like, mm, mm, okay, mm. He, that's like asking you, are you a you? Like he was himself. He didn't have to follow himself. Like, it's the weirdest question. Anyway, that was super sidebar, but people do ask that question, like, is Jesus a Christian? So I got a couple of things I want to make sure I say. Uh, all right. So heads, it's like heads or tails to me, right? Like when you flip a coin, people always say heads or tails, right? Because it lands on one or the other. But if we took a quarter, you might call heads or tails and flip it one way and then say, oh, there it is. It's tails because it landed on tails. But the reality of it is that quarter is not heads or tails. That quarter is heads and tails. And as a matter of fact, if that quarter doesn't have both, it's fake. What is my point? Success or money isn't good or bad. It's good and bad. 
So when we ask this question, is the church too focused on money and success? I think the first thing, regardless of what side of this um, topic you stand on, like if you're on the side that you're ready to defend why it's okay and we should, or you're ready to defend why, oh, that's horrible, this pastor driving a nice car, this church is raising money, then first you need to maybe be real with yourself about the fact of like, can we actually say that money is either good or bad, that success is either good or bad? Because a lot of people try to make the argument from either of those stances. And they, it's almost like you're putting yourself in a position where if I want to make money good, I could throw out a bunch of scripture. If I want to make money bad, I could throw out a bunch of scripture. No different um, than what people do with the word of God, with the new and the old Testament. But the word of God isn't the new or the old Testament. It's the new and the old Testament and how they come together to work as one. And so I believe when we look at money and success and ask ourselves this question of like, is the church too focused on it? First, we have to understand that the things, the topics that we're engaging, these things aren't good or bad. They are good and bad. So I have to think about money from the standpoint of like, yo, let me think of some of the good things about money. And then let me be real with myself and think about some of the negativity or um, downsides of money, right? Especially as we talk about through the lens, um, you know, of of the Bible, of, of church, right? So uh, let's see, money, ooh, all right, this now we're going to get into the topic, right? I had a couple of notes because I wanted to make sure um, that I talked about this stuff. Malloy, what up, bro? Interesting to hear about. Okay, I got you. Yeah, let's let's do that, right? So we're going to start with the money part. Um, you know, it and, and somewhat they go hand in hand, right? But when you, when you think about money, right, as an example, uh, I think one of the things that we got to be real about in the church is and again remember this conversation is to further the church like i'm not attacking the church right now this ain't about like this ain't about being messy this ain't about being petty or talking bad about people i'm really trying to share some some game with people so that we can find ourselves in a position where we want to um see each other grow appreciate you malloy bishop thank you sir Appreciate you sharing, man. All right. So the first thing about money, when we ask ourselves, is the church too focused on money and success? I want to I want to tell you something that I've always thought about sitting in church and observing. And I'm an observant person. So this isn't, a, isn't about me like sitting in church and judging everything. I observe everywhere I go. I observe at work. I observe if I was on a bus, if I'm traveling, whatever, I'm always observing. So when I observe the whole concept of money in church, there's this one thing that I find very interesting, right? It's a very interesting dynamic and it's the God factor. So for me, when I see people um, in church talk about money, we marry it with God. And I think that's a little dangerous. I understand why people do it, but I think it's dangerous and I'm going to tell you why. And again, I'm not even trying to say I'm right about this, so... I'm open in here, like share your comments, share your thoughts, right? As long as you could be respectful and I like these people cussing me out on this Andre 3000 video. Um, let, like share your thoughts. I'm open in here and talking through it, but I'm, I'm going to share my thoughts and some of my opinions. The God factor is interesting to me because I believe it could be manipulative and I'm going to tell you why. If I connect 
only while you're in church, all of your financial decisions to God. And I'm telling you that there's a spiritual, and this is, I got to be careful how I say this. I'm not saying that there's not a spiritual impact to how you spend your money and not a God-led way. But in church specifically, in those four walls, we mystify it. And what do I mean by that? Like we make it like, we make it like this, like, woo. And so what happens is when you get somebody in a room and you tell them as an example, if you do this, God is going to do this. Now we're talking about with your money. We're not talking about with your lifestyle, right? We're talking specific to money right now. If you do this, so what makes it interesting is because you can have money and not have God. But if I make it that your money decisions specifically are connected to your relationship with God, then what people do is they use their money in a way that is almost like I'm buying God, like I'm prostituting God, like give me a little bit of God for $100. Give me a little bit of God for $50. And we're minimizing God and putting him in a box. When Jesus himself said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto me what is mine. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to throw scriptures around because like I said earlier, you could throw different scriptures and I don't like to argue with scripture in that way. But I do think this is a very important thing. What's up, Crystal? How you doing, sister? It's been a while since I've seen you. Hopefully everything is good. So, I've seen this done in a way where um, there was this, um, um, was it Fast and Furious? I want to say it was Fast and Furious. It was the, um, the whatever Fast and Furious had, like, um, when they found Letty. Um, this was maybe five or six. I don't know. They got 10 of these movies. I don't know which one it is. One of the movies where Don was driving fast, when they was going through the tunnels or something. And I remember uh, Braga. Braga was his name. Uh, did they go back to Mexico for Braga? Braga. Braga. Um, and there was this scene where Braga, the 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 evil dude, right, the, the murderer and the drug dealer, he was in the church and he was taking his money and basically giving it to the priests for a blessing, essentially saying, yo, I want to buy a little bit of God. I want to buy a little bit of protection right now. And there's this mentality that um, I can be out here living any type of way. I could be mistreating, I could be murdering people, but I'm making money. So as long as I bring this money to the church, there's the God factor where the preacher has convinced me that this money is my connection with God. And as long as I'm giving God this, then now I'm blessed. Woo! I'm about to lose some followers. So when I think through that, I ask myself, like, is this dangerous? How dangerous is this to misuse or maybe haphazardly or in a laissez-faire way connect God with money in a way where even if it's not on purpose for me, I'm putting people in a position where it's possible based on their limited understanding of what I'm presenting to them that they may not understand exactly how this thing works. So then we get situations in church where people come 
And, you know, I've, I've been in a thousand church services, y'all. So this isn't to throw shade or anything to anyone, I promise you. But we do this thing. I'm going to tell you one thing we always do. Not always that I've seen done a hundred times, though, is this thing where people during the offering time, right? It's you raising the money and you're telling these stories to people and like trying to play on a heartstring to get them to give some money. And one of the things that I've seen done before is like, you know, um, you want that car? You got to give your way to that car. You want that house? Like God going to bless you with a new house. I need, you know, X amount of people to stand up and give this amount of money and God's going to do it. Now, look, I'm not, I promise I'm not throwing shade. That's not my intention. This is super important to talk about because I want to really think about that situation. If I take a person that is financially illiterate, right? Like they are not educated as it relates to finances and money. They don't maybe have good credit. Again, this isn't to shade anybody. I've been in this situation. This is a real life example. If I take this person and I simply tell them, hey, stand up in the church and give a hundred dollars and God is going to bless you with some material thing. I'm really limiting and minimizing the real impact of this entire experience with God. That person isn't even prepared to receive the blessing that I'm promising them. What am I saying? Um, you telling them they're going to get a Benz. This person doesn't regularly go get oil changes on their Honda. Hello. Hello. Honda oil changes, $35. Benz oil change, $300, $350, $400. It gets up there, people. What am I saying? I'm saying that we end up taking advantage of people who are illiterate in a particular area, promising them something that they can't even handle. And then, let's be real. Let's be real. Appreciate it, Crystal. When they don't get blessed and nothing happens, we just come back to the next anniversary, the next year service and do the exact same thing again and again. We keep copying and pasting, copying and pasting, telling people the same thing. Uh, your breakthrough is coming. This is coming. If you give this amount of money, your breakthrough is coming. Listen, man, um, I know how much um, a Gucci uh, shirt costs. I know how much some Yeezy shoes costs. I know how much a Jaguar car costs. I know how much a Honda and a Toyota costs. But like you can't put no price on no blessing from God. I said it, buddy. I said it, buddy. You can't put no price on no blessing. You have to be careful putting price tags on things in church. like Because what happens, right? And I'm going to move on from this in a second. You put people in a mentality like a shopping mall mentality. And the reality of it is like, you feel me, Crystal? Like we really, we really shouldn't want people coming to church with a shopping mall mentality and looking on the wall and saying, how much is that? How much is this? Because at the end of the day, like this isn't a, this is about lifestyle. This isn't about, um, first of all, self-righteousness. You do this, you get that. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily work like that. And I'm going to break it down further because God might have you in a place. Ooh, I like that. God is not for sale. I really like that. Actually, Crystal, if I was thinking that would have been the name of this episode. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up midway through the show. 
as if you knew. Anyway, um, we got to be careful, though, with this idea of I love that God is not for sale. Like that shopping mall mentality, it, it can make you self-righteous because the reality of it is this. God might have me in a season in my life where he wants me giving. Right. Let's say God wants me doing things uh, for people, helping people and just giving, but giving by faith. See, if you give him by faith, I'm, it, there is no promise that you're going to get a Benz because you gave $100. First of all, a Benz don't cost $100. Bingo. Yeah, I said it. Doesn't cost a hundo. Doesn't cost a hundo. It's all good, Crystal. So you're creating this false image for people that they could come to church, almost play church like the lottery, put $100 in, pull the slot, and a Benzo pops out. Pull the slot, and a husband pops out. Pull the slot and a family pops out. And it's like, bro, hold on. Let's 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 speed, let's speed this down. Let's slow it down. I said speed it down on purpose. Okay, I'm not crazy. God may actually be dealing with you in a way, dealing with me in a way, where he like, no, nah, Jay, I just want you like, 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 I might be pruning your heart. I might be um changing something in you, and I need you to give, right? And maybe what you're gonna receive. The blessing isn't going to be something tangible, right? Maybe it's going to be something internal. And so now instead of you putting a price tag that, hey, I spent $100, I get a pair of Nikes. Maybe it's like, no, nah, bro, I want you just giving. You don't even know. You don't. You will know when you need to stop. But every week, just give right now. And then now on top of that, that giving may look a little different. Maybe it's $50 in church this week. And $50 tip to a waitress or a hostess somewhere uh, at a restaurant, or maybe it's a $20 tip to the, to the valet service guy. And so the other thing that we do when we put this shopping mall mentality on the people of God in church is we limit everything to church. And I'm going to talk about why this happens in a minute, but we limit everything to church. And then, so you have Christians that go to church and give, but then go to the restaurant and can't give a good tip. And they, they are maybe some of the most rude people. And I'm not saying that every Christian is this way, but I'm saying this is the mentality that can be created when we tell people, hey, come to church and give this amount and God is going to do this. We limit God. We think we are like making some people better. We're limiting people's perspective of God because God might want you to give outside of the church. It, it may be like you may need to give more like $100 may not be enough for what God wants to give you. And then money may not even be the thing he wants you to give, right? It may be your service. It may be your time because money isn't everybody's vice. And the other problem with preaching that is some people got money. So for them coming and giving $100, $1,000 ain't nothing. Now I have to talk about the other side of uh, why this happens sometimes. And this is going to be tough. This is something else I thought about. I want to be, I'm not... Uh, man, it's almost no way for me to say this other than just say it. I think one of the reasons that so many churches find themselves in compromising spots for asking for money, not all churches, because some churches got millions and they still like they still getting people. But sometimes it's because you started a church before you even had your foundation together personally in your life. And so you started a church and you need money. 
or you started a church and you're not financially literate or financially savvy, meaning you don't know how to raise money, you don't know how to rally money, you don't have a business mind, you don't know how to manage money, you don't know how to leverage money, you don't know. And, and this is not a shot, but it's something that's reality, especially from where I'm from and, you know, our culture, you know what I'm saying, where a lot of times you starting from the bare minimum and the bottom. And a lot of times... Um, I'm going to tell you something. When I read whose book was this in, this was in Booker T. Washington's book, Up From Slavery. And he talked about when the slaves were free, there were two jobs that they went after. Politician and preacher. And right. Those were two ways that they can use their uh, whether you have to gift a gab or something and you can go and make money. Right. So. When when preaching is a career or an opportunity or, or something that you're looking like, oh, I never made it in basketball, baby. I'm about to go preach. Like, um, it's a very dangerous thing. I'm not saying it's wrong for you to want to preach. I'm saying it makes it dangerous. Remember, we're not talking about either or. We're talking about and, right? And so a lot of churches find themselves in compromising position because they need the money. So if you got a member there, let's say the member is selling who knows what, the, who knows where and why, um, who and why, like, you might be a little reluctant to preach against that sin if that, you know, member is a given member and they given a lot and you find yourself in a position where you like, I need this money. And so, hey, I need this money. So I need sister, sister Shirley to give a hundred dollars, even though I know her lights about to be out or, 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 you know, her grass ain't been cut in six months. Sister Shirley, I, I need this hundred dollars to pay this light bill at the church. So, um, I think that's one of the reasons it happens. We often dive right in without counting up the cost. Amen. That's the words of Jesus. He told the disciples to count up the cost before they follow him. And so a lot of times, to your point, Crystal, a lot of people start churches and um, and they haven't actually understood what it's going to cost. So then you find yourself, when you, let me tell you, in a position where you need money. One, like, one of the most compromising positions and situations you could be in in life is a situation to need money because in any area of life, man, it puts a lot of pressure on people when they need money or when you love money, right? Loving money is really bad, right? Because you may not even need it and love it, but needing money is a tough space to be. People have done all type of horrible things in life and compromised their own values and belief systems for money because it is a stressful area to be in life. So I want to give you a couple tips um, as I'm talking about this, it's not just to be negative, and I'm going to get to some of the positive sides as well. My belief is that this is why it's valuable to learn about money and become financially literate. Because if you take time and learn about money, right? Let's say you're a pastor and you learn for your own life about money and you learn how to manage it in your own life and you put yourself in a position where now, let's say you start a church and you're not compromised. You're not vulnerable because you're taken care of. You are. And I'm not. Let me say this. I'm not saying you have to be well off to start a church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about your mindset and literacy and understanding and being structured and founded in a way that you can take something and invest in it and grow it. Right. In a way that you actually know how to steward the money, even that you receive from the people. The thing is, if you find yourself in that position where you're not vulnerable or compromised because you have structure and foundation financially, now 
you don't, you are not at the mercy of the givers because what a lot of people do is they use their money as like, well, they get mad. I ain't giving this. All right. And, and again, when you are in a position, you need money. It's a very compromising thing. Let's talk about this last thing is maybe negative, And then I'll get into some positives about money for the church side, at least. This is a very tough one, y'all. Very tough one. One of the problems with the church with money is that too many times the money flows to the top. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that if I go to your church and I've been at your church 20 years and I've been broke for 20 years, but the church is thriving. The church just remodeled. The church did this. You got this, right? Whatever. The problem is if, if that is never flowing to me, but for years I'm given, then I believe there's a missed opportunity on the church side to actually educate the people about money. So what do I mean about this? I think there's value in teaching people about money to make them literate versus trying to coerce or persuade people to give money. I'm going to be very clear. We spend more time in church trying to persuade people to give money versus teach people about money because I think we're afraid that if they learn about money that they won't give it to us. There's a weird dynamic there that's just a thought. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying there's something that I've seen where it seems like the focus is more persuasive than educating. And I'm going to tell you the value of education. People give their money to things they believe in. If the church focused more on being financially literate and promoting education and financial literacy to the members, and I know some churches do it. I've said at churches on panels multiple times this year talking about financials, career, growth, all that stuff. Remember, I want to see the church grow. I'm not talking negatively about the church to, to beat the church down. This is about a self-development because I am part of the church. So this is a self-development opportunity for us all and how we talk about these things. And this is why I go to churches and I will sit on a panel and talk about these type of things. Um, because I think when you teach people about something and they're educated, now they can make an educated decision, right? Now, think about this. If you are a part of my fellowship, my community, my church, and you have money and you have money and we've taught each other how to have money. And maybe it ain't about the amount of money that you got, but you're a good steward of your money. Remember the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 verses 14 through 30 is really about this stewardship idea with money. So one of the mistakes we make with money is we focus on the amount versus the stewardship. So it should be more about what you do with your money versus do you have more money than me? But again, money is a polarizing topic and people tend to focus on the amount versus how you're managing it, right? So I'm a believer that it's about being a good steward of your money. And But if we're part of this community and we all start being good stewards of our money, then the community grows. The church will grow. You can't be afraid to teach people the truth um, to feel like if they know the truth, now I can no longer manipulate them and just make them give money because they're scared. All right, now let's talk about the other side. So that was for the side of like, remember, money is good and bad. That was really some of the challenges that I believe the church faces as far as money and maybe some of the areas that we focus too much on money and things. But let me talk about the other side of it. 
on the other side of it, also think people are just way tougher on the church than they are on other areas in life, other businesses and everything. Here's what I'm going to say. Everybody raises money. Yep, I said it. Yep, I said it. I almost, let me tell you something. I almost never go where anywhere in life where money isn't being raised. Think about it. Everybody, I work in corporate America. You know what I'm saying? Um, again, at a fortune, let's call it a fortune 100 company. It's somewhere in the 50s or 60s or something, but let's call it a fortune 100 company. I've been here for years, growing my career. I go to all type of corporate events, traveling um, for different different partners and, and major businesses that you know I don't name. I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody or anything like that. I'm just speaking generally. Everywhere I go, they're raising money. There's always a charity. And a lot of times, if I'm being real, it always reminds me of church. There's a guy or a girl on stage, some executive or some representative from the board or whatever, and they stand on a stage and they tell you a story about their charity and why it's important and all these things, right? And, and then they ask you for money. Now, there are some differences in church because a lot of times at a lot of these charitable organizations, there's sometimes a direct benefit. So here's, we talked about the God factor earlier, like, hey, if you give this amount of money, you will get a Benz, you will get this. Well, um, at a lot of corporate events, different businesses, um, you know, donate trips or experience, let's call them like excursions, right? So it will be like, hey, if you give this amount of money, then you will end up with a trip, you know, to Mexico or something like that, right? Those are the type of things that happen in the business world. Um, think about something like the walk for cancer, cancer walks, people pay registration fees and buy t-shirts, right? That's because they believe in it. People spend money everywhere. People raise money everywhere. So I think one of the things that we do unfairly is we make it seem like the church is doing something different than everybody else. Everybody. Matter of fact, I see people post happy birthday to themselves on Facebook and put their cash app tag. They're raising money. Everybody is always raising money. People have GoFundMes. Um, when a business goes from private to public and go into the um, stock market, the stock exchange, that is them raising capital, right? If you are um, an angel investor before they go private, that is them raising money. Everybody, everywhere is always raising money. So this is why I actually believe we need to do a better job of educating people about money in church versus mystifying it. Because I think the education um, will allow us to have not just financial literacy, but biblical literacy. Because when we have biblical literacy, now we are less driven by our emotions. So the big gap here is that in church, we walk in this building and money becomes emotional versus practical. It becomes emotional versus something that we're educated on. And a lot of times on the bad side, those emotions are manipulated sometimes by bad actors and things like that. But then on the other side, it's like, bro, like some people being emotional about judging it because it's like, yeah, like we all raising money, everybody all the time. So that's that. You feel me? Biblical literacy all day long. Now let's talk about um, success, right? 
I, I want to talk about success. Well, before I do that, let me say something else about the idea of money in church. Um, when I say you give to what you believe in, let's make it that simple. Again, people go on a walk for cancer because somebody in a family passed. I understand this is not a shot at that. Um, people give to all types of charities. You go, I go to the retail stores and they ask me, do you want to um, round up for charity, right? Everybody is always raising money. Be fair to the church. The question is more so, do you believe in this church? Do you believe in what they're doing? I do think church, there's an opportunity to be more authentic and transparent about where the money goes and how it's utilized. And this takes you to have some character in it and not that manipulative, authoritative leadership. That leadership that says, just listen to me because I said it because I'm the man of God. I really think we are hurting ourselves by mystifying everything, right? By kind of playing on people's emotions and making them afraid. He's the man of God. He said this, and I'm not saying this to disrespect. I'm not saying this to say that there is no power in what the leader is saying. But I'm saying there is a proper way to lead and there's a manipulative way to lead. And I do believe that a lot of times, unknowingly, pastors are using manipulative forms of leadership versus things that are not intended to um, kind of take advantage of your emotions, right? To deal with you respectfully. Now, I'm saying this from the perspective. I want to give a little insight. I'm saying this from the perspective of like, I am a leader as well. Um, I'm a leader in my, in the corporate world. Um, you know, and anytime that people have worked for me, they get treated with respect, uh, transparency. Um, you know, I try to be as genuine as possible. Um, I don't really care about the hierarchy. So me being your boss is not something that I need to wake up every day and wave over your head. Like I'm your boss. So this is right. And that's what we do in church It's like, I'm the leader. The leader said this, we turn a leader into this mystical creature that can do and say no wrong. And it really sets a lot of leaders up for failure when they do make mistakes. That's why people come down on them so hard because it's like, bro, like, well, you made it seem like you was walking on water. Whereas if you lead with respect and, and really true leadership, you know, it's not about manipulating people or bossing the people around. It's really about caring about people, um, and really serving them in a way, but it makes them better. And as a leader, you realize, well, when that person is better and I'm truly invested in them, then I'm better. And, and what I'm leading is better when they're better. I, I don't need to manipulate them. I wouldn't want my boss to do that to me. Just wake up every day saying, I'm your boss, right? It'd be like, all right, I get it, bro. You my boss. Like, I get it. But you don't have to remind me of that every second. That's not the sign of a good leader. So I do think there's also some value in, in the church for us to really step back and think about what it means to be a leader. And in some ways, like demystify some of this stuff. And I'm being honest, like the Bible is full of principles, literal principles. The Bible says it rains on the just as well as the unjust, right? Like it. There, there are things in the word of God that you can do that are principle driven that don't take me scaring you right now. And like, it gotta be lightning and thunder for it to be true. Church is the only person, only place where people go and they look for the room to shake for something to be true. You go to stuff all the time and hear people convincing you, you go to the dealership and they convince you to buy a car 
and the room didn't shake. But everything in church is like we waiting on smoke to come out and creating this whole weird thing. Literally everything you need is in the Bible. I could not agree more. So let's talk about success, right? Is the church focusing too much on money and success, right? I'm going to wrap it up at the end and give kind of a, a blanket answer. What else did I write down? I want to make sure I ain't miss nothing. Yep, yep, yep. Get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, success. So one of the problems with success is that, all right, and so here's what I'm talking about when I say success. We got a lot. We live in success culture, right? This show is about faith and business. And if you're just jumping on, um, I, I kind of say it in the intro, but, you know, I did 160 some episodes on audio before I ever showed my face on a video to do something on YouTube. And we had already laid the foundation in maybe 100 of those episodes. Right. But I feel necessary like now that I'm in this new, still new to the YouTube and video world of doing my podcast that like I take some time to like establish the fact that like, yo, um, we are very much about Christ and God driven here. And I believe in the foundation of, of the Bible. So when we think about success, one of the challenges of success in church and focusing too much on success is that it gives people the idea that success is equivalent to godliness. So I think that's the first question we have to ask ourselves. Do we believe that success automatically makes you godly? There's a reason that I'm breaking this down this way, because what I've noticed is that the introduction of social media and us being brands as individuals and having these pages and profiles is that people have started um, giving more authority to people who have more followers or bigger brands. And so what success says is like, yo, I only have right now 1100 subscribers on YouTube. So that's not that successful. So based on my YouTube subscriber count, then um, if somebody with 20,000 subscribers comes in and makes an argument against this video, then I can look stupid on social media because this person simply has more followers than me. So there are more people that are prone to agree with them or place value on what they're saying. And so we live in this, this world where this things are changing to where the, the, the lines are being blurred and we haven't even stopped to think about half of this stuff, by the way, we haven't even thought about the fact that this didn't exist 15 years ago, 15 years ago, nobody had a page. You weren't a brand, right? You weren't nobody. And when I was in high school and college, nobody was saying, how many followers do you have? And then that's now validating you being cool or not cool. Like, no, nah, bro, it was based on real life, who you were. And I'm not saying that was like some authentic form of judging in high school is still childish. But my point is we now live in a world where success to a lot of people means you're right. And I think it's important for the church to be mindful of the light that we shine on success in the way we manage and maneuver the world of success. Whereas yes, 100%, it is okay for people to be successful. I would like to think that I've grown to be more successful in my own life to whatever extent that means um, versus the old me, not versus anyone else. There are levels to success by all means. I'm not saying I'm at the highest or near the highest level, but what I'm saying is that yes, I have strived in my life to get better, to, make better financial decisions, to take better trips, to 
do things, right, to get a better job or whatever it may be to grow and to become successful. But I think it's very important as a part of that success not to validate yourself in it. And I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why we should caution that. A, because it can give people a voice in the church that haven't earned that voice. All right. All right. All right. What I'm trying to say is I'm going to try to make it plain to you. Let's say I am a, you know, uh, an expert psychologist. And in the field of psychology, like there is no person you should come to other than Jermaine. But then let's say you're looking to buy furniture. Well, why would you come to me about what's the best quality furniture? Simply because I'm successful in one area does not equal anything in another area necessarily, right? Now, when somebody is successful in the world, let's say you own car dealerships and you become one of the richest people in your city from owning car dealerships and you happen to go to church. Now you go to church and because of your success, you're being treated like a celebrity. You are now being treated like you are, you know, above. And in the Bible, it literally talks about some of this stuff in the Bible. Like there's a scripture in the Bible. I wish I, I should have pulled it up. There's a scripture in the Bible that says like, yo, don't bring somebody in church and sit them in the front based off how they dress. It literally says that. Now I want to find it. Like, oh man, now I want to find it. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm about to find it, y'all. Give me two seconds. Um, okay, I think it, Luke 14 and 7. Let's see. Let's go to Bible. I'm about to share my screen. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. Uh, this be the kind of stuff when it happened on the fly, man. I just have to, I just have to do it. Luke, let's go to Luke. I put in 14 and it's going to verse 4. Luke, why is it? Bible, Bible, read. There we go. Okay, Luke. I'm I'm almost ready. All right. All right. 14. All right, y'all. Let's share this real quick. I gotta I gotta read this because cause like I just got to. I'm sorry. When it comes to the Bible, it'd be like, I gotta read it. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Okay, he's breaking all type of rules already. Um all right. Jesus teach ooh, Jesus teaches about humility. I think that's really dope as we're talking about success. Jesus teaches about humility. Let's see what this is about. Luke 14 and 7, New Living Translation. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed and you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, man, the Bible be spitting game. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I mean, this is just the Bible. 
those who exalt themselves will be humble. That means if you walk around and you always talking about your success and my success make me better than you and dot, 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 dot. It's like, okay, keep on doing that and you're going to get humbled in front of everybody. But if you learn a little bit of modesty, a little bit of humility and just allow things to happen, then you will be exalted in the proper time according to God's will. So what does that mean as it relates to success? It means that I think as the church, we got to be careful shining that light of success over everyone without teaching people how to navigate it. So as an example, Jermaine, just because you have a podcast doesn't mean that you can come to my church and stun on everybody and you automatically write about everything. No, it doesn't. No, if you're educated in the area, that means you have credibility. But, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram doesn't just mean you're credible to talk to people about growing their credit score. And you have a 350 credit score and never bought anything or grew your credit. So what am I saying is that just because you're an expert in one area, you make good videos, it doesn't make you smart in everything. And I see this all the time in the comment section, especially on YouTube. YouTube is different. Like you, I get a lot of comments from people and I, I honestly, sometimes I could tell, like, I'm like, my man don't know what he's talking about. He's not educated. Like, it's just, it just is what it is. And it don't mean I know everything. It just means that sometimes you could tell. Success. Here's where I want to wrap this up. Success is not wrong. Money is not bad. You need money to pay the bills. You need money to buy the building. You need money to grow the church. I think there's value in teaching people the right way to manage and be stewards of their money. And you can do that when you don't need their money. See, I think one of the tricks is like steward your own life and get yourself to the point where it's not life or death if people do or don't give you money, right? If you have a church, put yourself in a position, Lord willing, where maybe you can afford it. And it's not the lights ain't going to go off if everybody don't. Uh, pay the light bill and, you know, and you don't have to do these stories about convincing them why they should give, but you could just teach them about giving um, the right way. And I believe that when we do things like that, God will bless us. Right. But I think sometimes when we are, I just think we got to be careful not to manipulate people that, that, and I'm, I'm going to say this with money, money in particular, it's a manipulating tool. Not just in church, but people in families, at home, like you could do this anywhere. People manipulate when it comes to money. And a lot of times it's because a person doesn't have money and they don't even know they're doing it. But, you know, what do I mean by that manipulation in particular? I mean, when people. Let's say. You saw me walking down the street and you wanted me to donate um, to your charity. And you knew Maybe you knew me and you knew if I just ask him and I tell him what the charity is, he's not going to do it. But what can make him do it is if I make up this story and tell him this story about, you know, how somebody in my family, this happened and dot, dot, dot. That's when you start playing on people's emotions to get money out of them. And I think that's when money gets tricky and success is almost a little different in a sense that, you know, we want successful people in our churches and things like that. And I'm not saying nothing is wrong with that. 
But I think the thing about success is you got to be careful how you flaunt it. You got to be careful how you treat it. You got to be careful not to put successful, ungodly people at the forefront of church. Ooh, that's a stinger. What do I mean by that? I mean that just because I'm successful, let's say I grew up in a church and I, you know, I used to sing in a church, but then I went on to be a, a, a great R&B singer. We know there's no chance of that. But I, I went to be this great R&B singer. I got a Grammy. And then, you know, all I do is sing about sex and sleeping around. But then I come to come back to the church and y'all know me. So y'all love me and y'all should. But then it's like pastor want me to get up and say words and everybody's screaming or whatever. It's like, whoa, buddy, just because he's successful and has a Grammy does not mean you should give him the mic when he comes to church because they're not screaming for God. They're screaming for him. And I think that's a very tricky thing because a lot of times when someone goes out into the world and gets success, we automatically want to put them on a pedestal, even if they don't have biblical literacy or they're not even um, living a life in the example of the word. Sometimes these people can be straying your members away from the church. They're the, the reason that your members might be in the club every week is because you keep putting this person in front of them who's really contradicting everything that you're preaching about, right? You feel me, Crystal? So look, man, I, I really hope, I, I'll wrap it up this way. Like I started to a couple minutes ago. Success and money aren't bad. I think we should want to be successful. We should have ambition. I think, you know, we should want to grow money and grow our money and have have, be good stewards of money is the best way I think I can put it. But I think we have to understand that those things are good and bad. What do I mean? When something is good and bad, it's kind of like you have to learn how to limit it, right? Like, it's okay if I have, if I don't even want to use some example, but if you eat a certain meal today, it might be good. But you don't want to eat it every day. Then, then it becomes nasty. Like, all right, I'm tired of this, right? Things can be good and they can be bad. And so you have to learn how to manage that when it's good and bad. So with my success, it might be like, yo, I want to be successful. I want to grow my career. I want to, um, I don't want to be poor for the rest of my life. But I'm also, I have limitations, meaning on the flip side, I'm not willing to do anything for money. Or if people approach me with financial offers for things that go against my values and my standards, and my belief system, then I'm not going to accept them things. So you see how you have to balance it out? Like, yes, I want to I wanna grow or I want to do something, but I, I don't want to do it by any means necessary. And I think when we talk about things in this either or way, that people will come at you like, yeah, see, uh, I'm going to give you an example. I made the video about Andre 3000, right? And, you know, why I wasn't personally going to listen to his music. I also said in that video, like, you could, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I'm doing. And I, it was a guy, and I could tell he, he must be a Christian based on the tone of his comment. Now, most people who was going off on me weren't Christians. They was going off on me. Cool. There was this Christian guy that went off, and he literally, I mean, he said a lot of things to me that was interesting. It was a, two long messages, comments. But he was like, um couple of the things he said, he said, people like you are the reason that we can't get young people to come to Christ because, you know, you too, um, I don't want to mix up the comment, but it was like, he basically created in his mind off of this 30 second video, he created this whole world 
where I was this person that wasn't in tune with young people in the church and you know, we could never grow a church or get young people in because of people like me. And this was because I don't want to listen to an Andre 3000 song where he took some hallucinogens and said he turned into a panther. I think that's interesting. Well, here's the thing. Andre 3000 is successful. And so when people are successful, the church has now adopted this same mindset as the church where somehow it means that you're right or that what you're doing is good because it led to some success. And it's like, nah, bro, I just don't believe that. I don't mean success is good by any means necessary. I believe a lot of people can do bad things and become successful. And that doesn't mean that I should go and model myself after it. Right. But we now live in this world where people just emotionally just say whatever and like believe whatever in a way too. So my thing is, is the church too focused on success and money? I think so. And the reason I think so is not because success and money is bad. It's not that I don't think we should be focused on success and money at all. I think we haven't done our due diligence in making sure we explain it properly. And I think part of that is because people are drunk off their own success. Success is like a drug. You have to be very careful with it because when you get success, you can start thinking too highly of yourself you can start feeling like you are above people. And I think a lot of people do that just from things, clips I see and podcasts and things where um, success can make people very arrogant in their approach. And what I mean by arrogant is not willing to hear the other side. A lot of times when I see, see people arguing about certain things, Christians I'm talking about online and, you know, let's say a guy goes on a podcast and he like, um, uh, all right, this, this is one of the things I've seen. I'm trying to think of some examples. Um, I've seen little things like where you'll have a Christian couple and let's say they, you know, on their Instagram and people are arguing about is the outfit too revealing. All right. And you will have people like literally arguing back and forth on both sides. Like, see, that's what's wrong with y'all. Can't nobody have fun. Then you had the other side like, no, that's just wrong. And I'd be looking and I'm like, I wonder is anybody actually truly interested in hearing the other side? Or are we just interested in spewing our own? So let's unpack that real quick since we brought that up. And now I'm talking about the, how do I say, this isn't necessarily about success and money, but it is like a result of success and money and how we think through it. So if you take a picture, so let's say, all right, I'm going to use something real. Like I was just on vacation. Me and my wife went, um, we went to a couple places. Um, I didn't, even, you know, it don't matter where we went. We went to a couple little islands or whatever. And, you know, like, you know, you take pictures, you at the beach, like we got pictures, right? To me, let's say if we posted a picture, now nah, I'm half naked on the internet. Now nah, I'm half naked on the internet. Put some clothes on, bro. But let's say we post this picture. Let's say I post a picture. I'm at the beach. And then it, it, it creates this big uproar because because I got 2000 followers or something and everybody, you know, I'm famous with 2000 followers. <laughs> That's what everybody think. Now you famous because you got 2000 followers. People weird. Um, and people going crazy for me, if I'm a, if I'm a true believer and I'm a leader, 
I might actually in mature in my maturity, I should be able to hear like, all right, wait a minute. So I posted this picture and I, it, you know, I'm have I am half naked on the internet. You know? Now, first of all, you know if the picture went up that you was feeling good about yourself. You know good and well when you put the half naked joint on the internet, you were they ain't had nothing to do with God, fam. That was all flesh. No different than when you take the picture in front of your new house and you say, I want to praise God for blessing me with this 5,000 square foot mansion. It's like, do you want to praise God or do you want to show me the mansion? But when you take a picture in front of your new Mercedes Benz at the dealership and say, thank you, Jeff, for being my salesperson for this new AMG package, $100,000 Benzo with the tinted windows. It's like, did you want to praise God and thank Jeff? Or did you just want me to know that you had the $100,000 Benzo with the tinted window? Like, no, you know that was about the Benz. So what am I saying? If I post something like that and it creates an uproar, if I'm a mature believer... I'm not just going to get out and be like, see, that's what's wrong with y'all. See that? I'm going to be real with y'all. I think it's an immature, to, an immature way to approach conversations. See, that's what's wrong with y'all. It, it makes me cringe every time leaders, we're talking about leaders now, right? When I hear a leader talk like that, see, that's what's wrong with y'all. Like, huh? You a leader, bro. Come on now. You know you was half-naked on the internet. What kind of validation was you looking for with that picture, fam? Am I saying you're going to hell? Am I? No, I get it. Okay, you and, your, you and your girl was at the beach. Okay, that's cool. But when you picked that one and you put, like, you uploaded that to the gram, like, you knew what it was going to do. And so my thing is, like, if that happens... It's not just about are they right or wrong. Sometimes it's about the conversation that needs to take place about what happened. So if you a leader, it might be like, yo, right now you just created like you a leader. But you just created a scenario where now people are coming to your church and you now are attracting groupies. So like and you ain't just attracting groupies because you just look good naturally and you can't control it you're now attracting groupies because you're putting out groupie traps right like it it's like you attracting it because you 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 put out the honey you attract the bees that's what i'm trying to say like you just pour honey all over the outside of the church and now that now the bees are swarming in and so now you finding yourself in a position where you're saying that's what's wrong with y'all but a I would look at myself and be like, Jay, you knew good and well when you posted the half naked on the internet. You know you thought you was looking right. So you knew, you know what that was going to do, right? And then now that it's doing what it was going to do, you can't flip in and be mad at the people for the Bible talks about not being a stumbling block. Bro, you put a rock in front of her, she tripped, and now you like, that's what's wrong with you. It's like, come on, y'all. I don't think it's just mature to, to put things out, especially when you're a leader. It, it's thousands or millions of people following you. 
you got to consider it all because that's what makes you a leader, right? Um, to whom much is given, much is required. So you might not be able to post that half naked on the internet. Or if you slipped up and did it, you might have to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? Mm, I could have saved that one. We made a couple people trip. We got a couple new groupies in the quad. You know what it is. This is, see, people don't want to be real. My thing is, let's just be real. You know why you posted it, right? So don't blame them. And then you get, everybody is so much wanting to just argue everything that they're not having honest conversations about some of this stuff. Because if you're leading a church, you shouldn't be worried about being, you know, um, a sex symbol, right? And I think, I know sex sells, and these are the things, right? When you start talking about success, success and that hunger and desire for success starts making you do a bunch of weird stuff. You feel me? Maisha? Is it Maisha? Maisha or Maisha? Sorry. Thank you. Appreciate you. Sorry for reading your name wrong. I apologize. But, you know, we find ourselves in this situation as the church where you know, my plea to the church is this. If you a church leader watching this, my plea is let's be willing to look in the mirror, not just out the window and understand that as a leader, you have to be willing to self-assess and you need somebody in your corner that's going to tell you the truth that doesn't care about your success or your title. Again, remember, like, I, and this is something that happens in church. Church is such a hierarchy, right? Like I'm not a pastor, right? Some people is like, yo, you're not a pastor. You're not in this clique. You can't tell us nothing, right? It's like, all right, that's cool, bro. But I'm just telling you, I'm a leader, though. Like, I'm a leader in this other world, in business. I'm a leader. And, and like, in this world, I know what a good and a bad leader looks like. So I think sometimes people get so caught up in the four walls of church. Like, you don't know me. You don't, you don't know what I'm doing. So you, you think I'm not valuable or my opinion is invaluable because I am not something... I'm not a king in this world. Like, it's like, well, that's cool. And I think sometimes the church becomes too much of a hierarchy where nobody can get through to the people at the top. So I'm going to give you this example. This happens in corporate America all the time, right? Let's be willing to look in the mirror, not just out the window. Amen. This happens in corporate America all the time. So I'm going to give you a real life example. So, um, you know, I have a, t like, look, in the last... I think in the last, since 2020, man, I had this, you know, I, I had this belief in this mindset in 2020, like, don't leave the pandemic empty handed. And then in 2021, um, I was led off of this mindset of take your own advice. So my whole mindset was take your own advice, do the things that you're talking about, whatever. And God opened a lot of doors and blessed. And I, I really, I just publicly, you know, give God glory and thank him. You know, I've been blessed, man, uh, the last few years like I this is like I just got a new role this is maybe my fourth role since 2020 and since 2020 I've done four roles this is the fourth one one yes my fourth role since 2020 we're about to be in 2024 and you know like I said I've been growing my career for years but God has blessed me in the corporate world to continue to take on more responsibility to continue to take on more leadership and, and things like that and really grow uh, my career and I'm thankful for that and so in that world, I have a lot of experience that I'm continuing the game. I'm not saying by all means, I'm not like whatever, I'm still growing. Um, but one of the things that happens is um, when I was uh, I was leading this team in 2021, 
it was a national team that I was leading. Our job was based on business development. So we were um, building partnerships with um, large um, companies across the country, right? And we had a um, we had about a twelve a ten million dollar ten point six million dollar goal that we were going after. Um, we finished at twelve million, so thank God um, above twelve million. And so we over delivered on our goal. But one of the things like that happens in corporate America is like your team takes surveys like about you anonymous surveys right so you get these annual anonymous surveys about your team and it allows there's obviously the the rankings from one to five or one to ten whatever about all these questions but then there's sections where people if they want they can leave comments and what i like about that is that you get honest and open feedback you know even if you don't want to say it's honest or you can't control how honest someone is you get direct feedback one of the things that that does is it holds you accountable. Now, it could be a good thing for you. Like in, in my situation in 2021, I was really thankful because I won't even say what people said, but people were using the same words. And I re that really resonated with me that multiple people were using the same words to describe me and my leadership and why they liked working for me and things like that. And I that meant a lot. But it could also be helpful for you to see your blind spots. If if people are if you're getting a certain rating or people saying certain things about you, it can help you see where you need to grow. And we don't have that in church. And I think that's a miss because what that represents a lot of times is a lack of accountability. It means you out here leading, but can't nobody say nothing to you because this title in corporate America, it doesn't matter what your title is. You get feedback. I find the feedback to be valuable. I've literally gotten feedback this year in the last four months that changed. I don't want to be so deep and say changed my life, but it changed my career in short term. It, it gave me new perspective. I was able to implement some feedback that some people gave me um, at, a, at a fairly high level and, and have a direct impact and see direct results. And so I'm saying that to say when people give feedback about a pastor or a church, first, we need a respectable way to do it because the problem is people just all over the place. And when people are mad or emotional, it's they say and do anything. So we need a respectable, we need a real way to do it where it could create some real feedback and give real results, right? That, that doesn't exist that I know of. No, I've never been to a church where they have a survey about their leadership. And I'm not saying just because I haven't seen it, it doesn't happen. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, but I think what that would do is create more healthy feedback for the leaders, which will allow them to, to grow in their leadership versus just focus on the title. And I'm not saying all churches do that. But lastly, as the church, we got to be the church. What do I mean by that? Church is one of the most divisive places in the world because of all of our different denominations and beliefs. And now with social media, everybody has a voice just to just say whatever. And it can have no value if it gets attention. People think it's true. And so I think as the church, though, we have to be mindful of how we treat each other. Um, we got to be mindful of the part we play in the bigger picture. 
And I think if the leadership in the body of Christ can work together, that there can be this successful approach to church. There is good success. That, that term is mentioned in the book of Joshua. Good success. That's what we want. We don't just want success. We want good success. We don't just want money, meaning we don't like, I'm not impressed by amounts or he got money, she got money. And we all just sway by that. Like, no, like what you do to get that? That should mean something. What did you do to get your money? Can you even explain it to me? Or did you do some type of scamming and scheming, lying and dreaming? No, no, you been. All right. I'm sorry. My point at the end of the day is I think we have to be more willing to communicate respectfully and professionally and in a mature way and also receive feedback. And that's on all ends. We are not all right. I'm just not right about everything. There's something I said in this video today that I might change my mind on or Maybe you might feel different in the comments and I might have to hear you out. But this whole idea that just because you're on the internet that you're right, or just because you talking loud that you're right, like you could be screaming and be lying like a demon. Like it doesn't matter. And that's the world we live in now where people think because they screaming and hollering that they're correct. And it's like, that's not the case. If you're mature, then you'll hear feedback and you'll grow. But this idea that you know, a pastor should just not have money or be unsuccessful or a church should just look for it. Like, no, I don't believe that. I believe that there is room for a church to be successful and a pastor to be successful. But I think how you get that success matters. And I think as a leader, you want to see your people grow. So passing that success along should matter. It's like a basketball player or a team. Like, are you a better? Are you better because you play with me? Like they say, LeBron James makes people better. Like, do you make people better as a leader? They should be better because they following you. And if they not, then it's a reflection of you, not just them. And then as it relates to that money, man, like, yo, we got to get to the point where like, I don't know, money is not, I'm not scared to talk about money. It's such a weird topic because everybody gets so out of source. I guess for me, it's like, I've been broke before. I know what that feel like. I had, you know, a little bit of couple crumbs and I know what that feels like. And it's like, once you put money in its place, it doesn't have to rule you, right? Thing about it is, well, it's harder to manipulate people who are educated. So you're not really going to manipulate me. So that means I'm going to give based on things I believe in. I'm going to give based on time and I'm going to give based, with, based on what makes sense. But not because you scared me. Like, I, <laughs> I just don't believe that's the right way to give in church. I don't. Um... But I do think we should give. I do. I think we should be givers, not just in church, in our lives. Like, I think we should give good tips. I think we should look for opportunities to bless people. I think, you know, we should find ways outside of ourselves to want to grow. And I think, look, if you believe in your church, then you should want to see it grow. Not because you're scared and your money going to shrivel away if you don't, but because you believe in it, just like you believe in other stuff that you give money to. The one thing I would ask you to do is when when you, you know, tomorrow, the next day, pay attention to everywhere you go where money is being asked of you. And then ask yourself, are, am I misjudging the church? Am I mistreating the church? Am I judging a pastor a little too harshly because they raised a couple dollars to put a fence around the building when I just gave, you know, money at this grocery store? I rounded up for some foundation that I don't even know if the money even went to the people. 
Give based on what you believed in. But don't be mad at people who do believe in the church. But then at the same time, church, don't manipulate people. Don't teach people how to pay their bills. Teach people how to be good stewards because, look, man, you don't want nobody paying, you know, giving you their rent money and they and they lights going out, you know, so you could keep this church or drive this car, do whatever you're doing. As a pastor, you don't want to have to need that money, man. You just don't. You don't like I just think like that's a tough way to live when you when you need money for things and you are driven by that and moved by that. I think we have to be able to put money in this place. Thank y'all so much for watching. Hopefully this show blessed y'all and didn't make you mad. And if it did make you mad, tell me about it. And uh, hopefully, you know, you understand that that wasn't the intention. The intention was to see us grow on both sides as the church, as the leadership, as the body, as visitors and guests, but also like just not to be afraid to talk about money. I'm sure it's a thousand things I didn't say. People probably be listening like, he should have said this. He should have said that. Look, I ain't trying to be right about everything. This was really just to spark a discussion, hopefully from a respectful and mature way that's not intended to do anything but grow the church, see more people in the church, more people following church, healthier churches, churches in better financial situations, churches that don't need to manipulate, but the people are thriving because the word is being preached and they are biblically literate and we understand who God is and we don't have to scare them to give money. But then people just start giving because they want to give and they know what it's being given to. And it becomes more than you could have ever imagined them giving, not just for you, not to you, but for this thing y'all have in common that y'all believe in, in the church. And that is a huge part of all of this. I think that's hard to do when you yourself are not in a good financial stu uh, stewardship mindset situation. So I would urge any leaders, look at your personal life and make sure you got that financially in order because it's going to make leading anything around money a lot easier when you're asking people to give, giving them the opportunity to give in some, to something they believe in. And it's truly because you're giving them that opportunity to help be a part of something and you know they have it and they're good stewards and you're not manipulating them and versus you trying to need that money and doing something weird. It's like, nah, bro, if, listen, I'm telling y'all right now, let me just make the record, let me make the record straight. If you see me out here in some type of car in some years, I look, first of all, I don't want to have no church. Let me say that. Thank you so much, Crystal. I appreciate you commenting and watching, checking it out. Um, if you see me out here, let's just say in a luxury vehicle one day, if I hypothetically had a church one day, hypothetically luxury vehicle one day, if you see me, um, let me tell you this. If I got a church and I got a luxury vehicle, ain't no sense in you being mad, bro. That church ain't about that car. I'm, t I'm telling you right now, if I'm in that situation, I already had it. Already had it. Already had it, bro. I ain't saying I got it. I'm just saying if you see it, I already had it. Not interested in starting a church to take people money and get a car. But I might get the car, though. So this is the last thing. I got to say this thing. And this is why this is important. There are a lot of pastors, a lot of them, who was already successful before they had a church. So we can't be so closed-minded that we think that everybody is using the church as a come-up. Some people already got money and probably putting more money in the church to run the church and keep the church going than the church could ever give them. So there's a little balance there, right, where the people who are doing it right, 
you might be looking like, why he driving this? Why it's like, oh, he's driving that because he had a business before he had a church and he sold the business and he did pretty good for himself. Then he sat back rich and had all this money and thought to himself, well, I'm going to retire from my job because I don't want to go to work no more, but I still want to do work. Now, you know what? I'm a believer. I'm going to do the work of the Lord. I've been called to pass. Okay. Now I'm going to have this church. Da, da, da. Now these people mad at me because I'm driving in a Bentley. Don't be mad at me because I'm driving in a Bentley. <laughs> don't be mad, bro. I ain't mad just because you got it. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you got it right. I just don't want you to get it with my money. And I ain't got it. I ain't got it. Listen, I love y'all. God bless y'all. Thank y'all so much, man. Um, you know, for checking this out. And yeah, that's not every pastor is using the church as a come up. That is facts. And I think ultimately, if we leave with that thought, then even our criticism will be through the right lens of not just automatically associating somebody as evil because they got some things that they work for. Like I said, I don't want to be no pastor. That ain't that ain't my thing. That ain't my call. I'm good on that. But I'm telling you right now, if you see me with it for a minute, already, <laughs> already had it, fam. I'm telling you right now. You got to ask yourself if you became a pastor. You want to look just because you a pastor, you can't drive. I can't drive in a Porsche. Dog, what you walling? You are wild if you think that. And only people who think that is people who ain't a pastor themselves. Because if you was a pastor, that's like telling me if I become a pastor, I can't have fried chicken no more. Y'all know I like chicken and watermelon. I don't really like watermelon like that. It's cool. I'm joking. Y'all know I like chicken though. Come on, bro. You're not going to tell me because I can, I'm a pastor, I can't get the good chicken fried hard though with the lemon pepper. Shake it on it. Shake, shake. Shake that pepper on it. Give me that lemon pepper. Think because I'm a pastor, I ain't eating no lemon pepper chicken. Like, you don't become a pastor and then now you have to like, you can't have nothing good. That's wild to me too. Stuff to me is wild on every angle if you haven't figured it out. It's not about what side you want to meet. It's about having the balance to understand and see both sides and have a detailed conversation and a layered conversation about it that isn't just about being right, but making us think through these things from both sides and making us think for ourselves. If we want money and we want to be successful, we should be viewing it through the lens of the Bible. And that's ultimately why I have a faith in business podcast that isn't intended to be about the gossip or all the current events all the time and all that stuff. And I know that's the stuff that gets the likes and the views, not the likes, but the views. Cause like I said, the videos I posted last week, like, okay, them, they people still watching it. I'm tired of the video because I'm tired of all the negative comments, but that's what that drama and stuff pulls up. But a video like this, videos that I do about the word or success and from a godly success perspective, they don't get a lot of views and stuff yet because a lot of people, if, if it ain't just juicy negative or something polarizing, people don't want to talk about it. But for me, I'm more about the balance, fam. I'm more about like, yo, I'm trying to grow. So I got to look in a mirror, just not out the window. It's about direction is more important than speed. So I got to like move in the right direction before I just try to move fast everywhere. And success will make you think you got to go everywhere fast versus just going in the right direction, going through the right process with God, trusting, believing, growing step by step, inch by inch. And as you grow, you look up, you might not even realize like, dang, I grew. It's a lot of times I have to sit back and reflect, reflect. I can talk people. I can't talk. 
sometimes I have to sit back and reflect and be like, oh man, like I grew four years ago. I was doing this three years ago. I was doing this and I don't do that all the time, but that's how incremental growth happens in our lives. It's not just always like a straight shot to the top. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to be willing to go through the process, man. So I appreciate y'all watching. Hopefully you share this show, like, comment, subscribe. If you're not a subscriber on YouTube, please search Inspire Guys People and be my 1,111th subscriber. Before I started today's episode, I have 1,110. Will you be 111? I'm going to raise a, a subscriber offering right now. Will you subscribe to this show? Can I manipulate you and tell you a sad story to make you go to Inspire God's People on YouTube and hit the subscribe button? Will there be one? It's in the room. I need some music. Hold on. I, I, was, I need some music or something like. I need some churchy music, though. I can't have, like, no rap, no rap music. That's my problem. I got these rap beats and stuff. I need some churchy music. It's in the room. It's in the room. It's in the room. It's in the room. Will you subscribe? Thank y'all so much for watching today's show. Y'all have an amazing, amazing, amazing day, man. An amazing, amazing.